You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL podcast, and I told you this is going to be kind of a different type of week. Usually on Fridays, I pick games. There's no games to pick, although the Senior Bowl is coming up tomorrow. I'm excited to watch that. I've been watching practice all week. And I teased it yesterday that we're going to have kind of a surprise guest. Guess who it might be? Roflo. Yeah! Much- <laughs> What's up, brother? How you doing, M-Dove? Good to talk with you, man. Absolutely. I, I am psyched. I mean, and you are always... The-, the people in the Twitter universe always ask for Roflo as much as possible. And I need to bring you on more and more because... I really enjoyed oh, man, our Fridays. Cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really, you know, and I, and I, every time I'm, I get a chance to speak with you on this, I, I, uh, I tell you how it, 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 it uh, makes me feel good to see the tweets and stuff when people bring up our old football today podcast because uh, I, I really enjoy it. I still miss it, and um, so it, it, it it's kind of cool to hear uh, people remember it fondly. Yeah, absolutely, and. I've mentioned it on these airwaves a few times that we were a little ahead of our time. I mean, I remember. I think so, right? Right. You know, like, yeah. I'm mad at ESPN because they couldn't figure out a way to sell advertising for it. And it was the biggest NFL podcast in the world at that point. There wasn't a million yeah. of them out there. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, you know, I, you bring up an interesting point is that, you know, the the, the notion that we, you know, kind of the genre or uh, where we fit into the genre, we were a little bit ahead of the curve and in, in in I guess in. I guess in sort of a bad way, but right. Um, yeah, because they, they, I just didn't feel like they really understood how beneficial it could be for them, uh, both mo- you know from a monetary perspective and and other things. But um, you know, it, it, it started with Ross and 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 you, and and then I came in, and and uh, I, I really enjoyed it, and. Um, yeah, I, I think that's an interesting idea that with the the notion that we were ahead of ahead of our time, they just really didn't uh, know what to do with us or, mm-hmm. or what to make of us. So yeah. yeah, that's that's interesting. So I think we kind of paved the way for a lot of these guys that are there you go. making some bucks now. <laughs> Real quick on that, Ross always says, who now has this empire of podcasts, has said yeah. when he got hired to do that job, he had to ask them, "What's a podcast?" You know, like that wasn't that long ago. And, no, <laughs> right. Now, now everyone has one. Right, right. Speaking of which, perfect lead-in. Please there tell us go. about what you got going on. Well, uh, I've been wanting to do uh, sort of long storm, long form storytelling. Um, I love uh, going back to my days working in local TV. I loved sort of telling people's stories, feature stories. You know, l- longer than than the normal. Uh, what you would see on on newscasts and things like that. So I, I really like that idea. Um, I've I also obviously love podcasts. So I I wanted to do something, uh, a podcast where we focus or the focus was on teams that came up just short hmm. of 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 championships, uh, whether it be football or baseball. So with with the help of my son and also our former uh, colleague and still buddy pod vader wow. uh we we've put out uh, almost champions it's available on itunes and spotify and spreaker.com um and this season we hope to it's the first of of many seasons we're focusing on the minnesota vikings and uh, episode one is out 
on, as I mentioned, iTunes and Spotify and Spreaker.com. And um, it's, uh, we're, we're gonna, this season's going to focus completely on the, uh, on the 98 Minnesota Vikings. Uh, why the Vikings? Well, because you know, this season was 20 years ago. And, uh, you know, while at ESPN, I had a chance to work uh, sometimes closely with Robert Smith. And, you know, I would ask him about that that season, about those teams. And um, I, it, it just always stuck with me that it was such an interesting group. And, and as I said, it, it timed perfectly with it being 20 years later. So we decided to do the first uh, season uh, on the Minnesota Vikings uh, of Almost Champions. Okay, I got a handful of questions. That's very, very cool. I don't know if anyone else doing stuff along those lines. How old is your son and how involved is he? Well, he is the producer and the editor. Okay. And, you know, it is, it's been really a joy for me because working closely with him uh, on something is, 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 is really been gratifying for me. And two, I'm really proud of him in that he, uh, he had never done something like this before. Uh, you know, uh, he, he wanted to be in, he, he wants to be in media and, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, work, he's working part-time right now at a, at a record label, uh, not, not too far from where we live and, and, uh, kind of working his way up through the cor- corporate world. So I said, Hey, look, I've got this idea. Would you be willing to produce and ed- and edit it? And oh, by the way, I don't know how to edit it, and you're going to have to learn <laughs> right. the system. <laughs> we had DJ, and, yeah. And uh, you're you're going to have to learn how to do it. And you know what? He did it, and he he's he's such a he's such a good kid, and I'm really proud of him. And um, I, I had such a good time working with him, and we're we're kind of finishing up the the season right now. Just a couple more things we have to do. So um, it, it was really cool to to kind of share this experience with him. I bet, I bet that's a really cool father son project for sure. Um, more questions for, I've told my listeners this and it's very true. The only thing I ever listen to, unless I'm on, unless I'm listening to music when I'm working out while I'm reading about football or uh-huh. football podcasts, I, I subscribe yeah. to 60 podcasts probably. Holy moly. I mean, tons of them. And I don't get to all of them every week, of course. And I have my favorites, <laughs> but from what I understand, I, 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 again, these are all analytic dorky football ones. Yeah. Is yours kind of like a serial, you know, uh, from yes, yes, episode after episode? Okay, okay. Yeah, it, it's definitely sort of think of it as um, as as an audio documentary. Okay. Um, uh, yes, I, I love serial. Um, the there was another podcast. This is well off the subject, obviously, but there was a, a, a tremendous podcast done on the Atlanta child murders. I mean, just really good stuff. Um, so I thought, you know, that sort of storytelling that kind of uh multi-episode uh uh format really appealed to me uh, the other thing i should mention is you know we're we're, we're basically doing this on our own uh, my my son and i and, and and along with with pod vader uh we're just kind of uh, doing this on our own uh no no sort of uh backing much less financial backing so uh and, and as I said, it's the first time we're doing it, so I, I urge people to be be kind with their criticism and, and stuff like that and take that into account. But yes, definitely a, a multi-episode, um, kind of an audio documentary feel to it. Well, anyone, any, any of my listeners that are listening now that are going to turn into turn, tune into Almost Champions will be kind because they put up with me on my solo mission <laughs> early on, and there was <laughs> no, it, a little it's rougher. A really, 
Yeah, you know, it, it, it's a an, an eye opening experience, and uh, everyone that I've and not just not just Pod Vader who I've asked, but uh, multiple other people that you know I've known and and work with or or uh, have been hey suggested hey talk with this person they they couldn't have been nicer and just really uh, i really appreciate them giving the their their time and their expertise it, just like you i appreciate you having me on to it with a chance to to promote it um the other thing i should mention is each episode we want to make sure that we're between 27 and 34 minutes so i want mm-hmm. it to be i want it to be bite size yeah. i i want it to be uh something that people can can listen to while they're on their uh, you know, on, on the treadmill or on the Stairmaster. And once they're done with their workout, the episodes, the episodes done. Cool. So there you go. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. I got more questions about this. This is a really cool idea. I'm psyched about it as well. We'll be right back. All right. We have returned and let's make this a little more football oriented because your, your podcast coming out almost champions is really relevant considering what we saw Sunday. I mean, yeah, what are those two, those two championship games, I mean, Ooh. New England had it in tow, but what if Edelman, what if that ball hits Edelman, you know, oh, or my gosh, especially the saints. I mean, if they call that penalty that you might do documentaries on the chiefs, especially the saints this year. Yeah. And, and, and you know what, look, as, as someone that, that, uh, that knows the X's and O's like you do, um, I, I, I'm wondering if if Tony Romo knows what's coming as far as what the Patriots are doing, what why did it not seem that the Chiefs knew? Or or was it that the Patriots are so precise with their execution, their players are so good, so big in the case of Gronk, that it, they can't they couldn't have been stopped. What, what where do you land on that? Yeah, it's interesting because every Tuesday I have Sage Rosenfels on, former quarterback. He's yes, about Romo's yeah, age. Yeah. yeah. And I asked him that same question, and he said, Matt, I mean, I'm paraphrasing. He said, Matt, I'm not bragging, but when I sit there in my lazy boy and my son sitting next to me, I'm calling out the plays, too. You know, like mm, just okay. about any NFL quarterback would, especially as the game goes on. And he said it's such, such a luxury to do all the homework and talk to all the coaches like Romo does before. And to see it all from the box. You know, it's not okay. field level. That, that's an also a good point. Yeah. And I, and I thought the same thing. I mean, it's very impressive. And I also right. thought, you know, Romo was on, too. Not, not that he was lucky, but he hit a high percentage of them on that, on sure. that day at the perfect audience. Yeah. So. Well, you bring up the, 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 uh, the idea of coaches being on field level. And I've always thought, I've never understood how coordinators, much less head coaches, can get a sense of what is going on, what the opponents are doing, what their tendencies are. I don't see how they could, see, you know, get a real uh, total picture of it because I've stood on the NFL, I've stood on sidelines mm-hmm. of, of NFL games, and you would not believe one how big these men are <laughs> or but, fast, but right. Or, but that's the thing. The, the speed of the game. I don't see how they can tell what the hell's going on. I'm the same way. I mean, I'm much more of a Watch it, rewind, watch it again, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sit in a dark room with a coffee, you know, I mean, it, it, it is a more of a coaching thing. And, that, and that's why, you know, the coordinators are in the box. It's a much better view. You yeah. see the, you see everything develop, the different coverages, all those things. And that was something that, that Sage really mentioned was being in that box is a lot easier than taking a snap from center with a bunch of dudes barreling down yeah, on you. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, back to the 98 Vikes real quick, just for people, yes. probably a couple of younger folks out there don't remember this team. 
I remember it, obviously. I was in my prime watching years, but I wasn't yet doing this professionally. Gary Anderson was a Steeler legend, and he went yeah. to Minnesota at the end, and he ended up being the GOAT and not the greatest of all time, necessarily. <laughs> yeah, the different kind. Right. And this was... By far the Super Bowl favorite, though, right? Were they fifteen and one? Yeah, they were fifteen and one. Uh, their lone loss was to, was on the road to to Tampa Bay. Um, they they outscored their opponents. I think it was like five hundred and fifty six to two hundred ninety six. I mean, these games weren't close. Yeah, they were a double digit favorite to the Atlanta Falcons the week before. Um, I believe they blew out the. Oh shoot! I have all this reach. I, I believe they blew out the. Uh, the Cardinals. They're blowing right. everybody out. Though. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're is... so they roll into the NFC title game. And the Falcons, I think it gets lost a little bit. The Falcons were 14 and 2 that year. That's the Dirty so, Bird team. That's yeah, Jamal that's Anderson. Yeah. Team. That's, right. Uh, Jamal Anderson, Chris Chandler. Um, so, yeah, it, it was, it, but, but make no mistake about it. I, I think the Vikings were a 12 and a half point favorite or 10 and a half point favorite. At they're home. playing at home. The old uh, Minnesota Metrodome, it's loud uh, with a sold-out crowd. They had a post-game party set up at a, at a nearby hotel. Everything was set, and it just didn't work out. They, okay. they end up falling yeah. and losing in really cruel, heartbreaking fashion. Um, you know, On the podcast, we, uh, I was able to do interviews with Robert Smith, Brian Billick, uh, Matt Burke. Robert Griffith. Um, I attempted to interview Randy Moss and Randall Cunningham, and there's uh, some funny stories in there that we get into episode <laughs> two about that. So, uh, also a uh, Don Banks who covered that. Uh, you know, Don Banks is, uh, you know, uh, I think he works for Patriots.com, and he's a contributor for the Athletic and longtime writer for Sports Illustrated. He was actually the beat writer for the Minneapolis Star Tribune uh, in 1998. So, oh, nice. uh, it, it was nice and interesting to hear their perspective and their and their stories and recollections of that team 20 years later. Yeah, and I, everyone, I'm going to check it out. Everyone's going to check it out, of course, almost champions. Um, but th- this team was loaded with star power. You mentioned some of the studs that you talked to, but, I mean, their line was loaded. Randy Moss, Jake Reed, uh, my buddy Larry Fitzgerald was a ball boy. I mean, this was... Yes. <laughs> this was yes, Dennis Green. Yeah, Dennis Green and Billick, who you mentioned, was the offense coordinator. This is where... He was. You know, this is where he became a star. You know, and defense, they had studs everywhere. It was a really fun team, and you wanted Vikings on your fantasy team. I'll tell you that. In 1998. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I, won, I remember I won a league that I was playing in. And uh, I had Brett Favre as my quarterback, and Robert Smith was one of my uh, was was one of my running backs. And um, you know, R- Robert had uh, had had the label of of being a guy can't stay healthy. Uh, well, that year it it changed for him, and uh, you know, two years later he's retired. So uh, you know, people people maybe don't re- remember that he re- he retired. I think he was only like twenty eight or twenty nine. So he and still had st- still had a couple of good years left in him, but he decided to walk away. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Didn't he go to med school after that? I'm not sure what yeah. exactly he did after that. Uh, I I know he toyed with with that idea. I mean, he's a very bright guy. Mm-hmm. Just as I mentioned, just uh, someone that I had a chance to work with and, and enjoyed working with while I was at ESPN. And uh, he, he, he loves The Simpsons, loves uh, uh, quirky jokes, and, and he loves science. He's a real curious guy. And, and 
he, he was part of an interesting locker room, man. I, I that's oh, I, I tell you, I mean, you had you had first you had uh, Randy Moss and Chris Carter, uh, and then you had John Randall. Uh, you know, Robert Robert Griffith tells uh, tells a great story of of John Randall throughout the week. He's just constantly doing swim moves against everyone. It, you know, walking around the facility. If, if, <laughs> if he's walking around the facility, you know, going from one meeting room to another, he's doing swim moves. If, if he's going to the, you know, walking around in the locker room and you come up on him, he's going to give you a swim move. If you're at the grocery store, he's doing, he's going to, and you run into him, he's going to give you a swim move. So a real uh, eclectic group of personalities uh, that season. Wow. Very cool. Uh, it's called Almost Champions. When is it available? It is available now. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, I'll season one, right now. Uh, episode one is up right now, like I said, on Apple, on Apple, uh, iTunes, and uh, Spotify, and also Spreaker.com. Um, so we're, we're hoping to get on iHeart soon, but, but not quite there yet, as, as I said. It, it's just something that, you know, for a while, uh, I had conversations with, with other people and companies about doing uh, podcasts, and I really wanted to do this. And after a while, I said, you know what? I'll just do it myself. So yeah, that's uh, awesome. Re- yeah, take, take the bull I'm, by I'm the really horns. Really proud of it. Very cool. Re- really proud of it. Cool. Uh, one more quick break, and then we're going to come back with some news around the league. Uh, a little bit of Texans talk. Roflo's a big Texans guy. Maybe a Super yeah, Bowl yeah. thought or two, and then wrap this thing up. So we'll be back in a moment. All right, all right. You want to take over as host? Yeah. All right. Yeah, let's do it. That's how we work best. Okay. So what do you think, man? Um, about the game? Yeah, I mean, what, what do you think about the Super Bowl? Uh, you any uh, initial thoughts? I I honestly have not started breaking it down yet, to be honest with yeah. you. But um, I, I I'm so amazed by what Belichick and Brady do. Uh, it, it's, it's it's remarkable. remarkable. It is. I mean, it really is. And and uh, I, I mean, it it's almost it, it seems to me like where you playing the Patriots that sometimes you really have no idea what kind of game plan you're going to f- be facing because right. they, they have, they're a player, the play, their player's ability to sort of be so fluid with, with how they play and, and, and how they attack a defense or, and vice versa. I, I think it's, it's remarkable. And, and what Bill Belichick does with his coaching staff um, I, I would just love to be a fly on the wall just to kind of hear how he instructs his assistants. What does he tell them? What does he tell his assistants, his position coaches, to get the message across? Because he can't be everywhere talking to every player. It's physically impossible. Right, so right. what is he tell what is he telling those coaches and coordinators? It's amazing. It is, it's amazing. And I had Mike Sando on yesterday, and one thing I mentioned to him that impressed me most about the Patriots last weekend was we saw the Rams go into a really hostile environment, and it was loud as could be, and they struggled to start the game. You know, I mean, as every team in the world would, except yeah. for the Patriots. Patriots go into just as nasty of an environment, weather, yeah. and they're they're in control from the beginning, calm as could be. And then the other note, which I think really comes up with the Rams, is probably the five most dangerous Chiefs. Tyreek Hill, Kelsey, Justin Houston, D. Ford... And Chris Jones collectively did like nothing in that game. You know, like mm-hmm. you talk about Belichick taking away their studs. Like I bet Aaron Donald doesn't wreck the show. You know what I mean? Like the studs yeah. aren't going to win this game for the Rams. 
Oh, okay, so so tell me this. Uh, I believe so far the Patriots have not allowed a sack yet in the in their two playoff so. games. Right. Yeah. Um, so when when I despite think running of, a bazillion plays, correct. Um, <laughs> you, you've got you've got Donald, you've got Sue. Um, what what is what is the hope that the Rams can create enough pressure, especially in Brady's face? to kind of wreck things what 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 hope do you have yeah and historically this would be exactly who the patriots don't want to face you know great interior pass rushers yes donald's as unblockable as anybody in the league but he's getting it out so fast he's recognizing things so well their offensive line is so well coached that i don't know that anybody gets to him you know so i don't think they'll drive the ball down the field against the rams but i almost feel like They've gotten to the point, and I forget what the number Sando said, but the number of snaps Edelman, Gronk, and Brady have played together is off the charts. That they've just all seen this before. Remember when we did this two years ago? Oh, yeah, we'll just do that. (laughs) that, Kansas City, if they played lighter personnel, they got ran on. If they played heavier personnel, they got dinked and dunked with Edelman. I don't know that it'll be any different for any defense they play right now. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I don't have uh, look, and I root hard against the Patriots. Man, oh, but, everyone around uh, here does too. Uh, but I I don't have any hope that that the Rams. I mean, I I could I could envision them getting beat by double figures, mm-hmm. and and it's it's not any sort of hot take or or anything like that. I mean, it's just look at what the Patriots have done, what they've been through. Uh, it just especially experiencing this week and then next week, um, it, it's gonna. I'm really intrigued to see what kind of what kind of finished product or what kind of product the Rams put out there uh, next week. Yeah, and the Rams are much more talented. The Chiefs are much more talented. Mm-hmm. The Go Chargers Go are much more talented. Go, uh, <laughs> man, I was so disturbed with what I saw from them. Oh man, they look beat I, up. I didn't. I didn't get that at, at all. What they way were trying to do, um, but it, it's it's just remarkable what 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 this entire group has done. That's why I said, uh, you know, I think I tweeted out a couple of days ago. I, I think that considering that the what the the conditions that they play in with free agency, with uh, the salary cap, for what the the Patriots have done since two thousand one. I think they're the great. This is the greatest run of any American professional sports franchise in history. In history, yeah. you know. I mean, you can look back at these those great New York Yankee teams or the Boston Celtic teams. I mean, first of all, uh, guys like Bill Russell, he, he's playing against your accountant. Okay, <laughs> right, right, uh, exactly, you know, right. Uh, uh, and then Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig, uh, the, the uh, they, they weren't playing against. Uh, you know, there was the color line that had not yet been crossed in Major League Baseball. Uh, and Brady, plus, you could go Be- buy Babe Ruth yes, off the Red Sox. You know, right? Absolutely, <laughs> right. Brady Belichick. They're playing against the finest athletes ever created. I mean, the the, the it, it is it is it's like a firefight every Sunday, mm-hmm. and they just find a way every year, every week. It's it's remarkable. I it don't is. know how they do it. And Unbelievable. I couldn't agree more. And one thing I was saying, Roflo, going into the Chiefs game was okay. That was gonna be the thirteenth AFC Championship game for Brady and Belichick. <laughs> I mean, thirteen <laughs> and the, eight in a row. By the way, eight in a row. Eight oh, by the row. way, right. And how I was describing it was, first of all, I think that's the greatest 
individual achievement for Brady in sports. Better DiMaggio's hit streak, Gretzky's goals, you know, like Jordan. I mean, to me, that's the most impressive feat, 13 of them. And how I was saying it was, okay, we all love Pat Mahomes, right? If I had a crystal ball and I told you Pat Mahomes is going to be a 13-year starter for the Chiefs, you'd probably go, wow, that's pretty good. Maybe he ends up in the Hall of Fame, has some rings. Well, that's how many times Brady was gone to the championship. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's unbelievable. And again, it is it's it's difficult, and sometimes it's a disservice to the to the players themselves to compare players of different eras. Right. Look, what Terry Bradshaw had to go through playing in the seventies, you know, uh, th- where a, a a quarterback could just get beat on consistently, uh, roughed up consistently. Tom Brady doesn't have to deal with that. Sure. But man, he is. You remember a few years ago, Brady or Manning? Who was the greatest? Mm-hmm. It's not even close. No, that it, was that was that's, that's long gone. That was a thousand days ago. That was yeah, that wasn't long has, ago at all, right? He has no equal. He has no peer. He is the greatest, uh, and, and I mean the he is the cream of the crop. And like I said, I root hard against him every Sunday, and it, it it's just. Man, it is unbelievable what he does. Now, the, you talk about the, uh, the the offensive line. I want to know what is what is it that what is the secret with Dante uh, Scarnecchia, the, the the offensive line coach? What is, what kind of wizard is this guy? Yeah, I mean, he, there should be a, a wing in the Hall of Fame for these type of dudes. And I've always said, if I could have pick a lift, I'm starting a franchise. I pick my head coach. The next thing I'm getting is the best offensive line coach I could possibly get. You know, like yeah. I'm, I'm I'm using so all my. What is the key? What's the key for a good offensive line coach in in your mind, or from what you've, you know, from people that have, uh, you know, you've talked with? I mean, what what is the kind of the 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 the, the common traits of a really good offensive line coach? Yeah, I, I mean, real quick along those lines, I've been around the Steelers so much lately that I think the two top line coaches are Munchak, who's now going to yes. Denver. And Skarnecchia, who's just been doing it forever. And it's amazing, like, if you talk to Pouncey and DeCastro and and really the guys that Munchak created out of nowhere, Filer and Finney and Villanueva and Foster and Hubbard, that they all just respect him. And it's not because he's a Hall of Famer. Like, I'm up at camp, and the one day I'm like, where's Coach Munch? Like, oh, he's at the Hall of Fame for the induction spot. He, he put his jacket, you know, <laughs> he mispracticed that day, put his jacket, yeah. you know, like, we'll that's allow, pretty we'll cool. That. Yeah, yeah, that's cool, you know. And that's pretty cool and all, but I think it's more when you're around offensive line in the offensive line meeting rooms. The, the common expression is they're like mushrooms. You know, keep them in the dark, feed them manure. <laughs> you know, and they're happy doing it. And this is a real generalization, but offensive linemen are like my favorite football players. They're, as a generally speaking, they're smart, they're tough. They don't expect massive accolades. They're not begging mm-hmm. for the football. They've been doing this their whole life. They've been the big kid in the room all the time that could squash anyone's head they want, and they just don't. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that, yeah. And if you get all those guys on the same page, they're team players. And I think if you can get a coach that gets those guys on the same page, working in unison, and and I do think continuity is huge there, too. Not a lot of bodies coming in and out, knowing exactly what these True. guys are all about. I think that goes a long way, too. Well, interesting. Um, Well, speaking of offensive line and offensive line play, 
when you mentioned my Texans, and I'm, I'm a diehard Texans fan. I mean, that for me is the area of of need to address right away. That has to be uh, either in free agency, the draft, and or both. Uh, what what when you kind of look big picture view of of the Texans and where they're at right now? What do you see? Yeah, yeah we'll wrap it up with these Texans talks, and I, I think you're dead on. You know that. I don't blame them for where their line is now because I think a lot of it is if you trade up for Deshaun Watson, you don't have the resources to help in other areas. So big picture, that's the right move. And I do think Watson needs to get the ball out of his hands a little quicker too. You know, he doesn't help the cause. You know, Russell Wilson used to be that guy. Um, So there's work to be done in both regards. But the talent level on the O-line really does need addressed. And after they get Clowney locked up, which I assume they will, I'd love to see him add two linemen in the offseason. And the secondary is not perfect either, but mm-hmm. that lineman, the line would be the absolute priority. Fuller coming back. Um, my question to you, though, all of a sudden, I'd be so afraid of the Colts. You know, oh, I mean, I, <laughs> right. I said that. Look, uh, uh, when I said before the playoffs began that I thought that was that having to play the Colts in the first round was a terrible matchup. Yes. Um, for for the Texans, um, it, it's either lose to the Colts or lose to the Patriots again in the playoffs. So <laughs> yes, you're you're absolutely right. Um, at the beginning of this season, I, I was w- looking at Andrew Luck going, he does still doesn't look right. Um, but for to see what Frank Reich and his staff did and what the uh, the Colts players did, they were uh, yeah they, they're going to be a real problem. Uh, for, for the Texans because it, it looks like luck is back. That offensive line, what they, uh, what what that front office has done to build that roster is certainly uh, should should be uh, recognized and appreciated. So yeah, they're, they're they're going to be a real real problem. And I'm totally with you on on the Texans secondary. Um, I think they need some some defensive back help. Uh, you know, I, I thought Kevin Johnson was going to be a player for them. Um, yeah, it's it not working has, out. No, no, it hasn't worked out, and, and you know he's he, he's struggled to stay on the field. I believe he missed most of this season with concussions. I, I love the rookie. Uh, I love the Reed kid. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Great and pick. and uh, I, I think it's important that they find a way to try to uh, lock up uh, the Honey Badger. You know, mm-hmm. they signed him to a one year deal. I thought he was amazing for them. So um, hopefully they can address those areas because you're right. The cult, the Colts are here and they're back. Yeah, and they have oodles of cap space, and they're young, oh, and man, yes. yeah, they're they're going to be a force to reckon with in the AFC for a long time. Uh, Real slow, this was a blast. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Uh, everyone has to check out Almost Champions. You are welcome back anytime, of course, my hey, man. Thanks, my man. Absolutely, it's great catching up with you, and have a great weekend too. You too, bud. We'll see you.